hosting for Two Blokes Talking Tech. Proudly provided by Web Central. Now, it's time for Two Blokes Talking Tech. I just think technology is awesome. Good advice for anyone who is looking for a laptop. With all the latest news and information about technology. Now that, that's the guy. <laughs> it's so hard to take a bad photo now with these cameras. I brilliant. think that stuff is just brilliant. It is something that people really need to look at. Two Blokes Talking Tech. Haven't we got the best jobs in the world? We have. <laughs> we absolutely have the best job. With Trevor Long from yourtechlife.com. I love talking technology. And Stephen Fennick from techguide.com.au. Do you really need a 10 megapixel camera to take those images? I'd say not. Two Blokes Talking Tech. Embrace those little ideas there. Have a look around and, and ask questions. This is Two Blokes Talking Tech. Yeah, this is Two Blokes Talking Tech. I'm Trevor Long from yourtechlife.com. This is episode 47. It's thanks to the good people at Trend Micro and Netgear. Trend Micro and Netgear, thank you for supporting Two Blokes Talking Tech, and you should support those companies that support us. And joining me each and every week, Stephen Fennick from techguide.com.au. G'day, mate. How are you going, Trevor? Have you recovered from our, our trip to Vegas yet? I don't know what you're talking about, mate. I was uh, I was very well behaved. I, I didn't yeah, go out at all. A, just a note to Mrs. Long. He was in yeah. bed by 9 o'clock every night. Yeah, 9. Certainly by 9. 9 <laughs> 9am, PM. No, no. It was, I, I, I was probably the most boring uh, Australian tech journalist in the whole city because I really didn't go out much. I, I only went out a couple of times and... Uh, anyway, so I'm just slowly getting myself into the CES thing, but it was very, it was a very good week. We'll talk a little bit about our highlights um, uh, coming up, but it is, as we say, thanks to Trend Micro and Netgear. Lots to talk about on episode 47. Two blokes talking tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. Now, as we record this uh, Wednesday night, episode 47, um, Wikipedia is dead. It is unavailable, and um, gee whiz, don't you think like the world? That. Don't you think the world's a lot less misinformed as a result? I think so. It's. Uh, <laughs> I mean, lot, there'd be a lot of people who are desperately searching for information. Lucky it's the school holidays, mate. There'd be a lot of students in trouble. Well, there'd be a lot of. Uh, let, we should all read the newspapers tomorrow and see how many facts are, are, are wrong. <laughs> but it, it, a couple of things about it. First, and, well, I'll talk about why in a minute. But in terms of a blackout, if you're protesting something and you're as big as Wikipedia. You've got to actually go down. You've got to actually end your service, I think, for the day. But it's actually still fully available on a mobile. If you go to the website, it, it, it takes you to the page and then flicks you to a, a, a banner, basically, that says we're, we're protesting. And you can actually bypass the whole bloody thing by just putting a, a question mark, banner equals none, after the URL, and you can see the page. So the actual website's not gone. Do you know what I mean? I think that's a really but lame their, protest. Their intentions have been clear, though, Trevor. They, we, oh. we, their action is uh, is speaking volumes. Oh, I'm sure it is. So the, the point of this is they're, they're protesting uh, essentially two pieces of legislation in the United States. One of them... Um, more important than the other, SOPA, the Stop Online Privacy Act, and it's a you know at its very heart when you read that title, I, I, it's, I think it's very hard for anyone to disagree that is a, a piece of legislation that's required globally more more than just the US to stop online pi- piracy. And the reason we want to stop online piracy is because there are concerns that the the industries that make content, so the movies, the music, the the TVs, all those different things. They simply can't be sustained if all the content becomes available for free. And the problem course, is there's a whole stack of people in the world who love to be... They're basically the modern hippie, right? So the the internet is the new Nimbin, right? People... <laughs> fair dinkum, Minus think, the pot. <laughs> exactly. Well, I'm not sure about that. I think some people actually might be smoking something because they think that everything should be available for free. Well, they're kidding themselves because people... It costs money to make really good content. And yep. so, so at its heart, oh, my first question to anyone that's opposing SOPA is, do you oppose 
piracy. Because if you do, then let's talk about what the solution is. If you, if you don't and you think there should be this free and open internet, then I don't want to talk to you. You're crazy, you're a lunatic, and you should get back to smoking yep. drugs. But the point here is that the, the legislation in the US is at its heart very simple and, and it should should be okay but the problem is it's really harsh in, in the way it acts yeah. so when something goes wrong they basically are saying that oh look and the worst example is if someone uploads a movie to YouTube YouTube is taken down instead of yeah. just that it, movie it spoils it forever I think you, you, you're right on the money there Trevor with, with the, like the SOPA and PIPA which is the Protect IP Act that's the other the other uh, act that people are talking about yeah. the US the, 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 their, their hearts are in the right place yeah. now people are speculating that this is a battle between Hollywood and Silicon Valley mm. that Hollywood Woods sort of forcing the hand of the government to make do something about it. Yep. Uh, now, like everything you said, spot on. But the, the unfortunate side effects are going to affect everyday internet users. That's right. And as you mentioned, if one person uploads a dud a dud bit of content that's copyright protected to YouTube, then it spoils it for everybody. Now, that's that's to me that's the classic breaking an egg with a sledgehammer. Like that's we, right. Surely we can do it smarter uh, and and affecting less people. Let's face it. Without the internet, like people people are struggling without Wikipedia. Not being up. Imagine, imagine other sites dropping, dropping off because of these side effects. Uh, what they've think- done with the legislation is try and find other ways of. So it's not just about bringing down the website. It's actually making it illegal for for sites like Google Ads to to show ads on sites that have got un, got prohibited content. So they yeah. they're trying to make it so that monetization of piracy sites can can be prevented all these different things. That's Look, that's fair enough too. I mm. think that's fair, but uh, we got to remember too that the internet knows no borders. Now while mm. this is a US generated action and and a lot of it's coming out of the US obviously it's it's going to affect not the the entire world because like I think it's what seventy percent of all sites are based in the US. Hmm. Uh, the internet is driven out of the US, so it's yeah. got a, quite a large footprint, but it's going to affect us all around the world. But the other, the, the, so many fundamental flaws with the legislation, and the reason I keep emphasising the legislation is because, I, as I say, I believe in the concept. I just don't believe in the legislation. The the thing about it is, so uh, according to the legislation, a US site is a dot com. Now, I've got a US site. Two Blokes Talking Tech.com is a US site, yeah. is a domain, but it's hosted in Australia. So there's these flaws in the, in, the, in the legislation like that. So I think, hopefully, that's what's being protested. And I think yeah. that that's right, and that's right to do. But what but, I would like to see yeah. is, is more of a conversation happening on the internet, um, as opposed to the narcs of the world on Twitter just whinging about SOPA and all these different things. Let's talk about why piracy exists, why it needs to be stopped, and, and how we can win, win that battle. Because, see, I, I posted on my Facebook page just a, you know, a rant about Wikipedia being down, and I had some, you know, some real, I won't call them narcs because they're friends on, on Facebook, but, you know, talking about, you know, morons in the film, TV industry, ignoring the on-demand and instant media, and yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. they may have ignored them, but, but what, what they do is they make money, and, and they make big pieces of content they spend millions on content so but uh, i think too and another point we need to make here trev is that i think a lot of the protests apart from the side effects that we've mentioned but a lot of people think this is this is an attack on free speech free yeah. expression uh yeah that censorship of sites which could result if, if if you if you go against this legislation say it becomes law uh the the, the it gives the u.s government the power to censor entire websites and and 
rip them off air. So you know, um, here's it, the thing: it's, it's that's what I think. That's another reason why people are protesting is because of that. Their freedom is being uh, could is under a threat here. Well, here's my my disagreement with that that argument is that's a load of crap. Essentially, we don't have freedom in the world right now. You can't you can't go to print and and produce a, a, a printed document, a magazine, for example, that contains defamation. It contains bomb making. It contains all these different things. And and sell it in a news agent here in Australia. It's illegal. It's 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 copyright con. It's not copyright content. It's restricted content. Yeah. So this goes back to the internet filter debate here in Australia. We don't live in a free society. So why should the internet be free when society isn't in itself free? Yeah, Just because it seems free now on the internet, cool. it's it's not. What what about like you mentioned YouTube? Someone uploading something, say a song they like, or yeah. uh, someone sharing on Face. How many times have you seen people sharing on Facebook a YouTube clip of a of a, mm. a, of a song or some kind of content that is not theirs, but they want to tell their friends about it, share it on a website? It's this. It's that kind of that 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 drilling down to that kind of action that is could have consequences I think that's what's worrying people I like, think I'll, so. I've, got, I've got no I've got no problem with policing copyright and protecting intellectual property but I think when it, when when people are trying to share content just to say hey look word of this is the digital word of mouth look look how good I love this song or I love this movie hmm. if that is the, if that's then going to come under threat then we've got serious problems so we'll have to stay tuned I guess and see how it all pans out I, th- I don't think there's any doubt the, the legislation won't get through um, but it must be close it, it must be a very tight debate Debate. I'm not following that part of it. It must be very tight for this many companies to go so heavy on the on the protest. So we'll have to wait and see. Wikipedia's out for another, for another 12 hours or so as we record. But, um, you know, um, plenty of people not happy with the lack of information available on the internet. But it is still available, so don't worry. Um, but <laughs> let's just see over the coming weeks and months how uh, SOPA uh, affects its journey through, le- through legislation in the US. I don't think it'll make it, but a good, important thing to be talking about. That's the most important thing. You're listening to two blokes talking. Now, as we've discussed in the in the last week, we've uh, we've just returned from the Consumer Electronics Show. Uh, it was a very interesting week. Mm. Uh, so many new products and and uh, all all these new companies unveiling all the things we're going to be seeing in 2012 and beyond. And I thought we should maybe talk about a few highlights, Trevor. Absolutely. Um, for me, I think obviously the, the 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 focus of CES is the every year is the TV portion of it, which is sort of a very large percentage of uh, of the major announcements all are around TV. I, I, I thought one of the highlights, probably the highlight for me, was seeing OLED uh, in a screen oh. size bigger than bigger than eleven inches. I you think know, seeing a fifty five inch OLED, uh, the the Samsung and LG uh, models. Funny enough, the two Korean companies battling there was uh, amazing. That TV is incredible. I just think. No matter what you think of OLED, and there's two things I think about it. It's confusing because it's another technology to explain to people. And you know, you and I get those questions. You think about your interactive buyer's guide. You have to completely update oh, that I have now, to rewrite it now. You know, that's right. so so I think that's confusing for me. And I I hope, frankly, that it replaces something. So plasma disappears in OLED. You know what I mean? So we've just still got yeah. the two, but you cannot and you cannot believe this this quality and this screen until you've seen it and i think that's going to be the great thing this christmas is you know you can imagine walking to a harvey norman or, or a jb store and i hope they find a way to display it well because you can't just put it up against a wall this this is not not good against a you wall need it needs to be able to, be, to walk around it i yes. think in the store to see how thin the mm. how thin it is that's right so so definitely i'm with you there oled a definite highlight at 55 inches it was it was a highlight at 20 inches or 18 inches when it first came out but it, it really means 
in something now because because this is this is the size TV we buy. Exactly, and we should make it quite clear that it's not going to be cheap. I've written a story on Tech Guide, sort of specifying that it's going to be around the eight thousand to ten thousand dollar mark. Yep. Uh, Samsung's model is going to be available in September, uh, and LG's in October. Unfortunately, uh, in LG's case, it's after the footy finals. Samsung just might oh. scrape it in, but it's also going to be after the Olympics, which is normally a time where people make an excuse to go buy a new TV. Maybe you have to wait for the twenty sixteen Olympics before people can afford maybe an OLED TV but moving on with CES I think another interesting thing to, still on the TV uh, front there was the voice and gesture control now I, I put a, I wrote a story about the evolution of the TV on Tech Guide today and I included a, a great little video that I just shot on my uh, uh, on the show floor showing the Samsung uh, voice control and LG's gesture control it just it, it's exciting to see that how easy it is for a start and that uh, that control is now uh, you know, right there for us. No more worrying about losing that remote control. I think we, and you know, you talked about this on Tech Guide uh, as a kind of preview to 2012. We talked about this on Two Bucks Talking Tech as a preview to 2012. The gesture and voice control would be one of the things that we talk about all year. And CES, and this is the thing about people that analyze the gadgets at CES. It's all well and good to put out a list of gadgets that were great, but this is a technology that, 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 that dominated CES. And I'll tell you another reason why I think it dominated CES is because you think about where else you saw it. In cars, you know, you would have seen the, the Audi and the Mercedes stands. They were using gesture controls on the dashboard, so you, you kind of yeah. wave at your windscreen and, and do different things with your in, <laughs> in-screen entertainment. It's a bit farcical, but it's just what they're trying to do is yeah. demonstrate how the, the, the oh, technology the exists yeah. and, and what the possibilities are. It's very exciting, frankly, to see how this could work. Uh, the Connect will forever uh, blow me away as a piece of technology in, in its time, um, and that's now being expanded across wonderful platforms like just Absolutely. general TV. The uh, another I think another thing last last highlight TV related was 4K. Now mm. that that's this is uh, highest resolution TV, even higher than full HD. Actually, the, the I think that Samsung had a 70 inch 4K, LG had an 84 inch 4K. It's basically four times the resolution of a 42 inch full HD panel. Yep. So we we can see now that the resolution. Now a lot of people think in 4K. I've never I've never seen 4K, but if you if you've ever been to the cinema in a, to a digital cinema you have seen 4k because mm. a lot of the projectors in the cinemas are projecting 4k that's the mm. digital projectors so there's talk that within a couple of years you know we've already got blu-ray dvd there's talk within a couple of years the studio is releasing films now in 4k format so anyone who's got a 4k tv can see this at the same resolution as they would on the big screen in the cinema yet another thing to confuse you in the retail store though but if you're an absolute video file this will blow your mind Yes, well, I, I was quite interested in Sony's 4K projector. Mm. So we saw the TVs that LG and Samsung had. Sony's 4K I saw you projector. there with your tape measure. Tape measure out. Will it fit in the uh, in the, well, in the home you know theater? If I had a 4K projector at home, I would renovate my home theater to make sure that it worked, <laughs> uh, that I would have the biggest screen possible. Now, it's a steal at only $25,000 US, I'm going to add, Trevor, as well. So... I'd say that price will come down in the next couple of years and could be in addition to the Fennec Home Theatre. But uh, <laughs> let's move on. Uh, I think another another company that did surprisingly well at CES, a lot of very positive news and reviews for their products, was Nokia. Definitely. Now, Nokia have taken a few hits over the last couple of years, sort of dipping out in the smartphone stakes. But I think they've, they had their range of Nokia Lumia phones running Windows Phone 7. And I've got to say, I held one in my hand, had a play with it. I was very impressed. 
I I am absolutely blown away by it. I've got to be honest. You know, we talked about the N9 when it first came out. Really nice phone, really nice form factor, really nice design. And when you overlay Windows Phone to it, and Windows Phone is an, a desperately underrated operating system. It's very nice, but it's just very hard to, to get totally people agree. on board with because there hasn't been really great handsets for it. This is going to blow people away, and this is really going to open it up. I'm not saying it's going to knock off Android, but... Once you put, imagine Nokia in, in 12 to 24 months with multiple phones or running Windows Phone and even the newer versions of Windows Phone, this is going to challenge in terms of the, the percentage of, of the market that Windows Phone will have. It's very impressive to I use. I agree. And you've got to remember, Nokia have still got literally hundreds of millions of users around the world who would be coming off feature phones, let's call them, sort of the entry, your, your normal sort of keypad phones looking to maybe to go into a smartphone. Now, a lot of Nokia customers like to stick with Nokia because they're kind of yeah. used to their operating system. Yep. They, they like the hardware. They like the brand. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of potential there to sort of grab a whole, a whole new class of uh, smartphone users straight away with uh, when they release the Lumia phones. If you work for Nokia, you've got very good reason to feel, feel pumped about 2012 after CES, I think. Absolutely, yeah. But uh, what, what else? What are the highlights for you, Trevor? I think there was obviously a lot of tablets, Ultrabooks. Yeah, I pretty look, big at CES too. Look, I like the Ultrabooks. I, in fact, I was quite blown away by Asus and their Ultrabooks. They were they were really nice, simplistic things that that were really nice form factor, like the absolute um, thin of the thin. Lenovo had some some Ultrabooks that weren't really. They didn't feel ultra. They felt like laptops. You know what I mean? They didn't really mm. strike me as as yeah. Ultrabooks. So I think the Ultrabooks were great. I th- still think some of the technology that we saw there and I talked about the cars a bit earlier um, the head up display stuff was, was really interesting to me and I think that's going to be something that we'll, we'll see over the next few years but it's not really a yeah. 2012 thing um, and, and I, I think I think to be honest I think some of the some of the work around uh, just general iPhone accessories it just blows your mind now I, I met a bloke there um, I think it was iWalk um, it might have been the name of the company but they had a tiny and the, he says patented a tiny little um, add-on that you slip on the bottom of your iPhone and it's uh, probably one maybe one and a half centimetres deep and it's a, it gives you up to 75% charge again now there's a lot of those charges and things around but to have a really simple small one that just clips on the bottom there's a lot of that kind of stuff going around which is really changing yeah. the way we, we interact with our phones in the North Hall, there was there was I think they had the iWorld. There was a lot of i products yeah. there. It kind of reminded me of the old MacWorld days, where remember when Apple used to announce they have their big keynote at MacWorld, and then you go, you have a look around the hall, and obviously there'd be Apple massive stand in the middle, and then all around it were all these other companies sort of that lived off all the Apple products. Yeah. It reminded me a little bit of that. Or every every aisle, every hall uh, with, with i products. It's funny though. We mentioned earlier uh, last week that for a company that wasn't there and it will never be there they did have quite a footprint at CES this year so and and, and obviously that leads us that me to think about the tablets how much mm. tablets have been accepted now into CES and, and the, the bigger picture of us sharing content around the house using them as remote controls using them for a variety of functions now the, the tablet has now become kind of what I like to call kind of the remote control for the house because that you can connect to other gadgets share content so uh, mm. it, it really expanded that that connection connected home picture for me, I think, CES this year. And just quickly, and I mentioned it a million times last week, and I don't think I could have mentioned it on more radio stations, to be honest, but (laughs) I still think that the LG Blast Chiller in a fridge is a really simple thing that some poor, simple, tragic bloke at LG's (laughs) went, oh, why don't we do this? And they've gone, yeah, why not? We'll put it up as a gimmick. And it's a bloody good idea. A great idea. Having a fridge. Simply cool your can or your bottle. 
forgot to put his beers in the fridge all the time. Exactly. Or, or mate, he worked so bloody hard, he'd go home and someone had drunk them all, so he'd have to put one in. <laughs> you see? He had to so, come in there for himself. Good. So, Necessity is the mother of inventions, they so, say, and good luck to them for inventing that one. That is in my, as a, as a technology, that's in my top three. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech back in Australia after CES. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. And Two Blokes Talking Tech is brought to you by our good friends at Trend Micro. Now, any parent knows that keeping an eye on your kids online is a real challenge. Uh, it's very hard to sort of keep up with their, their learning, their, their connecting online with oftentimes without your knowledge. But Trend Micro has got a great new product called Online Guardian, which provides you with a suite of easy-to-use tools to keep your kids safe when they go online. So you can monitor your children's activities, whether it's on social networking websites like Facebook and Twitter and YouTube. You can see what videos they're actually watching on YouTube and posting on YouTube, the pictures they're looking at on Flickr. You can also use it to set up filters for adult and other inappropriate content and block certain websites, even monitor the things they they can search for. It's even got an alert if they inadvertently try to give out their phone number online or they reveal their address. So those kinds of safeguards, I think, would give parents a real uh, put their mind at ease. Uh, the Trend Micro Online Guardians available now at Harvey Norman, Bing Lee, JB Hi-Fi, Officeworks, Leading Edge Computers, and all other authorised resellers. And for more information, visit trendmicro.com.au. couple other things uh, that we'll run through quickly but uh, one of them that I think we have to talk about is is 4G and I want to want to draw this not into what's happening in Australia just with 4G but also just do a little quick comparison on, on the networks overseas. Now mate we're, we expect from, uh, from Telstra next week the launch of their 4G phone in Australia. That's right. The HTC Velocity, I was actually, I won't reveal which retailer told me, but uh, I was over at CS at dinner and met, met up with this retailer who told me, absolutely, yep, we're getting set up for a January 24 launch of the uh, HTC Velocity. Telstra, of course, have already got a 4G network in operation in Australia. I, I use it with their modem. is really is so fast. It's really, really great high upload, download speeds. So having that on your phone is going to give us even greater accessibility uh, to our data, to the web, whatever we want to look for. But um, uh, there were a couple of 4G handsets, which we'll discuss in a minute. But uh, the the 4G, I'm, I'm really excited about 4G this year. I, I'm, I'm looking, I think we can probably safely say that the iPhone 5 due mid-year is probably going to also be a 4G compatible handset too. So yeah. you're going to see a lot of 4G handsets this year. And the thing, thing is to, to remember our 4G is outstanding. And the thing, that this is the little point I wanted to make. So, you know, we've been in the States for a week. I got an AT&T SIM card. I put it in a Google Nexus, you know, Samsung Galaxy, Nexus, whatever the hell it's called, the latest and greatest Google phone, uh, ice cream sandwich, all that stuff. And I never got more than one, more. I didn't even get one meg download on speed test. Never yeah, got one meg download. Now, in Vegas, I'll, I'll cop the excuse there were 100,000 geeks there, right? But mate, 150,000, actually. Well, let's call 50,000 of them, you know, show buyers and trade people <laughs> that really aren't geeks. They're just yeah. on a junket. But they use pods. their mobile phones like the rest of us, Trevor. True, true, but maybe not the data. But So I'm in LA on the way back, and uh, I stopped in a few places, a couple of shopping centers, and then the airport, and mate, again, I didn't get anything more than 800K downloads. And to yeah. me, that is appalling. And if we got that in Australia, 
that there would we would be up in arms, there'd be petitions, there'd be backlashes. You know, Vodafone gets cops are hammering here in Australia. Their network is a thousand times better than AT and T in the United States. And I agree. You know what? I think we've been we're spoiled for choice. Very much. Like, so. Our networks are. are, are absolutely brilliant compared to the US. I think the US, that's all they know. That They're the only networks yep. they've used. Not, not a lot of them have got down to Australia to check out our networks. But I did, though, the, the AT&T 4G network, there's a Verizon 4G network. Now, on the show floor, and I'm going to put up a video in the next couple of days on Tech Guide. I, I use the LG Spectrum, which is one mm-hmm. of the 4G handsets announced. Yep. And I did a little speed test. I, I, I actually called up my website, Tech Guide, on the screen. And not the mobile version, the standard version with lots of pictures and, and a a lot, a lot of information to load, it loaded in about a second. Wow. It was incredibly fast. So I think the, the US customers are going to, they're going to, they're going to get whiplash going from those slow, <laughs> tedious AT&T speeds to 4G AT&T speeds or Verizon speeds. Uh, and the, it, it, the Sony Ericsson, uh, the, the Xperia Ion, I also use another 4G handset, which we'll see in Australia later this year. Yep. Uh, it's going to be a pretty big speed bump there. That's right. So, but the message, so the message from Stephen is there's some great new handsets coming. The message from me is, don't take your networks for granted, people. We uh, we might whinge a bit, but uh, we've got a pretty darn good set of mobile networks over here in Australia. Two blokes talking tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. Now, CES were actually it was a record year at CES. There were more than three thousand one hundred exhibitors uh, at the show, Amazing. and more than one hundred and fifty three thousand attendees. So mm. it was it was a record year for CES two thousand and twelve. Now. Two of those exhibitors that I saw were actually comp- Australian companies, uh, Signet uh, and Toffee, both makers of accessories, covers, cases, uh, and things for like, your, your smartphones mm-hmm. and PCs. And uh, they had a Signet it, it, it had a quite a decent sized booth in that North Hall we mentioned earlier. Mm. And she, I, I, I know uh, Sophie Swan, who's the head of the company, and actually named Signet uh, using her, taking her surname. A Signet is actually a baby swan. That's why she called the company Signet. Mm. Uh, and I caught up with her. I've known her for years. She, she's grown the company from the, to an office in Melbourne to they've they got headquarters in, I think, four countries around the world. They're doing really well. It was really great. I was really proud to see how well she's done all the hard work with this stand at CES. Also, Toffee were there. They, they had Toffee makes beautiful stuff. Very nice leather cases. Yeah, they, they're, mm. they're both doing well. It's good to see the Aussies flying the flag there, Trev. Definitely. And uh, there's, uh, I think you've even uh, done a bit of a review on both of those companies at techguide.com.au. So check it out. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech. With Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. And just a few more minutes, but uh, it's all thanks to the good people at Netgear, netgear.com.au. If you want to, uh, anything to do with uh, uh, networking in your home, whether it's connecting to the internet or bringing the internet to more devices in your home, that's what Netgear do. Um, Over the coming weeks and months, we'll tell you about all the new products from Netgear, including some great stuff launched at CES, which which not only enable a much easier and smarter control of your network and devices and energy in your home, but um, but also some really nice networking products like a like a router with built-in storage. So that they know how to do it, Netgear, and uh, and they've launched new products that that help with that. So if you're after anything to do with connecting your home to the internet, your business to the internet, or devices within your home to that network. So if you've got mobile phones, if you've got iPods, iPads, if you've got TVs that all can get on the internet, put them on the internet. And all you need is Netgear products. Netgear.com.au.
Mate, I really... We'll do two quick things here. Uh, firstly, I have to talk about this Food Switch app, which I read on your website today, techguide.com.au. A really simple app that um, kind of helps you make healthier food choices. That's right, yeah. Like, the, it's very confusing when you pick up an item, you're trying to watch your weight, you're trying to reduce your salt intake, your fat intake, and those those nutritional panels on the side, I don't know about you, but I find them very confusing. Uh, this, this app is a free app uh, that you can use to scan the product, and it not only explains using what they call their traffic light system, so green is good, amber's okay, red's not the best, uh, so mm. you can see straight away whether that product's any good. It'll also give you healthier choices. Say you pick up a, a, a container of peanut butter, or it'll give you the information about that particular product and also suggest maybe if there are some, some healthier choices as well. So really good thing sponsored by uh, Bupa and the the uh, the George Institute because you know, they want to reduce the risk of heart attacks and strokes and this is a good way of doing it. Eat healthy, make those healthier choices. It's called Food Switch and it's a free app from the iTunes store and we'll work on the iPhone and iPad and Android version of Food Switch in the coming months. Now, we know uh, the sad passing of Steve Jobs back in October. You know, we, we really were, were very sad to hear, hear of his passing after his, his battle with cancer. Uh, a Chinese company, though, decided to honour him with a 12-inch action figure. Now, I wrote about this a, a few weeks ago. The fact that they were doing it, it, it was very lifelike, cre- creepy in how lifelike it was. Uh, but Apple have uh, put made a pretty much put some pressure on him, uh, legal pressure on him to discontinue the action figure, and they've succeeded. The the, the site has decided to halt production. <laughs> I did read the statement they put up on the site, and I actually felt that they were probably trying to honour Steve Jobs rather than sort of just try to make, obviously they're going to try and make money, but I think it was more uh, out of out of admiration for Steve Jobs that they were doing that. Yeah, I, I can see that, but I don't. I just don't think anyone uh, with half a brain would uh, would actually start mass producing a product that uh, bore someone else's name slash likeness. So uh, they may have uh, they may have been doing it out of respect, but I think but, uh, you know, they knew I, there was I agree some money. They, in they were doing it out of respect for the family and everything. But you, you look at people. I know you know Michael Jackson's dead now. The people make money off his likeness and his figure, and we've seen Elvis stuff and. I think he did specify they're not copying Apple products or using their logo. Mm. He was just a fan of Steve Jobs and wanted wanted other fans to have some kind of memento. Well, he can't do that anymore because it doesn't bear the <laughs> Apple logo. That's pretty much official now. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech. Travel on. Hey, we'll wrap it up quickly with um, some great products, uh, a really nifty product, in fact, uh, from Gear 4. Are you going to talk about the, the Sleep One? The, it's the Renew Sleep Clock. Yeah, Very this is cool. a really interesting product. It looks like an iPod dock, an alarm clock, but it uses a dedicated app, and the device has a sensor so it can detect whether you're in a light sleep pattern, a deep sleep pattern, can tell when you've gone, when you've fallen asleep by, by detecting your, breathe, your breathing uh, and, and all these kinds of things. All this information you can then monitor on the app. What I like about it, though, is that you can set a wake-up window, so an hour window where the device will detect when you're in your lighter sleep and, and wake you at that point rather than dragging you out of a deep sleep, mm. which could affect the rest of your day. It will wait till you're in your light sleep cycle and then give you a gentle nudge to wake you. Let me tell you one last thing that I'm noticing about this product and it's it's a trend I saw at CES. 
No longer are people developing iPod or iPhone docks. They're making sure that the dock is suitable for an iPad as well. Absolutely. I noticed this with the pure range of new new radios, the new digital radios with docks. I've all got a bigger slot, you know, so that you can actually put your iPad in there as well. So Smart it's, move. It's a very smart move, and you're seeing it across a whole wide range of, of companies. But uh, the Gear 4, uh, one word, G-E-A-R 4, Gear 4, the number 4, uh, Renew, uh, is a very, very cool device that not only works well, but actually looks really nice too. You can check it out at techguide.com.au. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. We could we could talk for hours, but we won't because yes, we, we, we save our half hour for each and every week and we apologise for taking an extra couple of minutes of your life this week, listeners. But uh, you can always get in touch with us at twoblokestalkingtech.com. You can download via iTunes, subscribe there, and certainly if you are on iTunes, uh, give it a rating and um, leave some comments if you, if you don't mind. Uh, we appreciate your support. And thank you to Trend, Micro and Netgear for their support. Stephen, uh, good luck with techguide.com.au during the week and we'll talk again next week. No worries. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick.